Support for Sponsor Talk and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. there, and welcome to the Sponsor Talk Podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways and how brands interact with properties in sports, arts, film, music, you name it. In this episode, guest host Thomas Aloma sits down with Zaylene Jamohammed, Head of Partnership Development and Innovation for the USOPC, and Blake Lawrence, co-founder of Open Doors, to understand what sparked the idea of teaming up to create a first-of-its-kind pilot program that will enable Team USA athletes to earn income from group and individual marketing and sponsorship opportunities. Hopefully today you learn something new about the industry and challenges you to keep thinking differently. But wanted to do a brief intro to Tom uh, as our moderator. So, you know, Tom, you're, a, you're the director and founder at Sports Innovation Texas. You're also the host of Sports Tech Feed. Um, which is a global sports technology podcast, which is, I believe, how you met uh, Zaylene here as well. Um, you're the head of America, North America for the Sports Tech World Series. So a lot of, lot of intersection between sports, technology, that's kind of where your niche is. Um, so we're very excited to have you here. Um, you're also the chair of the Commercial Leadership Board of the International Sports Technology Association, which is a huge thing for me to say, um, but I think I got it. And then you're obviously a guest lecturer as well. Um, and a contributing author. So we'll learn lots more about you, but uh, we'll pass the baton over and excited for you to lead this conversation. Thanks, Avish, and thanks for organizing such a fantastic event. It's realized how much the word sports technology is used in my bio, so that pretty much says everything uh, you need to know about me and where my passion lies and interest lies. And yes, I uh, met Zaylene through our uh, Sports Tech Feed podcast and a great chat about some of the things that we're going to be discussing today. So uh, I'm a firm believer that my role is to facilitate the conversation here and, and both Blake and Zaylene could do a much better job at introducing themselves than I ever could. So I'm going to throw over to Zaylene to give a bit of a uh, introduction to herself, um, her role at uh, LA28 and the US um, Olympic and Paralympic um, Committee and also, you know, what, what's happening in this space and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump to Blake uh, for a bit of an introduction as well. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. And, you know, good to see you. And obviously, Blake, always good to see you. Um, happy to be here. And Avish went off screen, but, you know, awesome to just support such a great cause and, and talk a little bit about athletes and what we're doing at the USOPC and LA28. So quick intro. Um, I am the head of uh, partnership development and innovation at LA28, which is basically fancy words for thinking about how to do things differently. And specifically, I work a lot in the commercial space on how we build revenue, but I work really, really closely um, in thinking about that with the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee on what else are we bringing to our athletes? How do we impact their lives um, in ways that maybe we haven't thought of before? Um, and what we're gonna talk about today, I think will be a representation and an example of, of just that. 
Um, I have spent a long time in the sports sponsorship, sports marketing space. Um, I've worked on the agency side, on the brand side, on the property side, and then back at the property side now. Um, it's been a really, really wild ride. Uh, and I'm grateful for that experience um, because it just, that perspective, all of those different perspectives helped me in my job today a lot. Uh, born and raised Canadian. So played ice hockey like most Canadians growing up and um, now living in the Bay Area with my husband and two sons who are not hockey players. So there you go. There you go. So thank you. I mean, I wouldn't have known anything about your sports preferences of your kids. So I would yeah. miss that intro. So there we go. And uh, Blake, uh, if you'd like to give a bit of an introduction to yourself. Yeah, I'm Blake Lawrence. I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Open Doors. Open Doors provides technology to the athlete endorsement industry. Uh, started this company in 2012 to help one athlete, a, a friend of mine. I, I played football at Nebraska, and one of my buddies got drafted to the NFL and uh, started this company to you know, provide technology to help him understand his brand, build his brand, protect his brand, and follow rules, and, and ultimately monetize his brand using technology. Uh, fast forward nearly a decade later, uh, 40,000 athletes around the world use open doors products every day to understand, build, protect, and monetize their brand. So we are uh, the backbone or back end of a lot of the different transactions that occur and activities that help athletes uh, become more accessible to the people that support them and been very thankful for partnerships across all different sizes and shapes of organizations and sports including uh, our relationship with USOPC and Saline and some of the things that we're doing together uh, to help make a U.S. Olympic athletes, um, you know, position themselves better to capitalize on whatever window of opportunity they have. So we are in a great spot. I'm, I'm in New York City, and, and if you were lucky, you're going to see the, my cat um, join this on this call. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll put thank yeah, the special advisor or the intern, depending on how you look at it. Um, well, Zayla, that's a good, good jumping off point uh, to talk about the athlete marketing program. So that was recently launched in partnership with Open Doors. Can you tell me a little bit about the program um, and, and also what problem it's trying to solve? Yeah, sure. So the athlete marketing platform or AMP, we call it for short, uh, launched probably eight weeks ago, Blake, um, where we finally got it into the hands of athletes. And the way to think about AMP is a digital marketplace that basically connects supply and demand. Supply being supply of athletes and all of the things that they're able to do on behalf of brands and the demand that brands have to find these athletes and have them um, and use them as endorsers of products and services and engage with, with consumers. Um, the problem that we were trying to solve, there's a couple of problems, right? The first is, um, unlike other properties or other uh, professional sports athletes, Olympic and Paralympic athletes just don't make a lot of money. Most of them, 90% of them make dollars that I, I almost am embarrassed to talk about. You know, we did a survey last year where we found out that 60% make less than $25,000 a year. And you're talking about a population of individuals that are representing this country. Um, and you want to try and find ways to help them be more financially stable. And so we really wanted to try and solve a problem that allowed for them to have more money in their pockets so that they could focus less on 
trying to figure out how they were going to put food on the table, how they were going to pay their rent, and more on the stuff they were supposed to be focusing on, which is the performance on field. And so that was the first problem that we were trying to solve. The second problem we were trying to solve is um, around the, the ease at which and, and using technology to help close the gap by which these athletes can actually meet brands um, who are looking, they just don't know enough about the athletes, right? So there, uh, there, there's a financial problem. There's also an access issue um, and an information issue that is just not being shared all the way through. And so those were the two things that we were really trying to focus on uh, in terms of solving. Some of the solution, right, is not just technology. I mean, before we actually talked to Blake and Open Doors, it was really an understanding of like making sure we know what the problem is that we are trying to solve and putting in a process of how to go about bringing these two entities together. And then once we figure that out, it was like, okay, there's tech out there that will help make this happen really quickly. Now let's go see what technology can actually do to expedite um, and get to that answer quicker. Yeah, and, and what brands are on the platform? So is it, can anyone just sign up? Obviously you need to be Olympian to do it. I couldn't just jump on the platform and be like, hey, I've got a triathlon coming up on the weekend. Can you help me out? So that on that side, on the, on the supply, the two-sided marketplace, but what yeah. about the, the sponsor brand side? Yeah, well, Thomas, let's see how you do in your triathlon. <laughs> we can maybe let you in, but... Um, yeah, I'll, also you can tell by the accent, I don't think I'm going to be representing the US. Not on team USA, USA. But, yeah. right. So on the supply, let's go supply side first. So supply is all Team USA athletes um, that are considered hopefuls in the Olympic and Paralympic space. So if you talk about right now, that number is about 1,600, 15 to 1,600. On the demand side, these are all Team USA sponsors. And we have about 30 um, that we have under, under contract today. And those 30 brands and those 1,600 athletes now basically have a mechanism to connect. Yeah, so it's also getting value for those sponsors and those brands that would say, hey, I need someone for a, for a campaign that might be very localized, but I don't know where to go. Apart from a big agency, and then you're just going to be getting, as we talked about access, it's just the top athletes that are getting all the endorsements then. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, to be you know super candid, it first started as a, how do we provide more value to brands, right? I, I sit on the commercial side. That's what I think about every single day. And the first you know, request or ask was like, how do we actually provide more, more opportunities for brands to connect with more athletes? It was a brand-sided question. But as soon as we started to figure out the, the athlete side and the gap in athlete equity, it, it shifted completely away from the, the partner side and to an athlete-focused solution where the brands do benefit, for sure. There is a, there is a brand value proposition there as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, Blake, from your side, if you can share a little bit about um, how the collaboration came into being. I, we heard from Zaylene that they got their process down and they went looking for tech partners, but maybe a little bit about the problems that Open Door solves more generally um, outside of just the AMP platform, um, but then also how this collaboration um, has come to fruition. Yeah, certainly. I think that one of the things that's really interesting about the athlete marketing industry, the athlete endorsement ecosystem is that there are a lot of people that want to help, right? And that is the, the fantastic part. Like an athlete does not get to any level of success on their own. I mean, even athletes in individual sports, they've got a lot of people around them. Um, and 
Olympic athletes are in a unique position where um, they do have coaches, they've got national governing bodies, they've got teammates, teams, and, and you know, people that are there to support them. Um, but the infrastructure around athlete monetization and sponsorship and licensing for Olympic athletes is not the same as maybe some more traditional stick and ball sports. Um, so that's, that's an interesting thing. Just, again, I'm going to talk more about open doors and what we do, but I just, I know that when you try and think about using technology to solve different problems for different uh, industries or different segments of industries, I think that the Olympic athlete challenge that relates to endorsement opportunities and monetization is quite unique, right? Based on the timing of uh, their window of opportunity and some of them it's, it's a, a four-year window, some of them it's eight-year window, um, and others can be much shorter than, than both those options. So technology is there to help athletes or to help anyone make the most of, of a small window of opportunity and do more with less. And I think that when we started Open Doors you know, back in the day, it was really to help one athlete. But once we started to uncover and look at the athlete endorsement industry, I'll just give you an analogy. Um, if the airline industry operated like the athlete endorsement industry, there would be no Delta.com, there'd be no United.com, there'd be no Kayak.com. Like you'd have every airplane on the runway would have a phone number that you'd have to call and you'd have to guess the number and guess where it's going and guess how much it's going to cost before you even made the call, right? It's just, can you imagine what travel would look like if you had to just call each individual um, plane? The athlete endorsement industry, you know, has been behind in terms of the creator economy and the evolution of individuals uh, monetizing the audience directly and using technology to do so. So we set out a decade ago to transform this industry and a decade later uh, are proud of the foundation we've built and I think we're just beginning. Great. And, and, and back to Zaylene, how are you seeing the program performing so far? So what are some of the biggest challenges? What are some of the biggest wins in that? Um, and what's, what's the next kind of step for it? So we launched about eight weeks ago. Um, our, all of our athletes received their first invite and it was such a cool day when that happened because we've spent a year with Open Doors trying to, trying to build this amazing platform. And so when you finally see it go into action, it's, um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, so we have pretty close to 500 athletes now on the platform. Uh, Blake might laugh because he's been doing this for a lot longer than I have, but you know, initially in the first couple of days, like I was celebrating every single sign on. So we were at one, we went to two, I celebrated, we went to three, I celebrated. And now it's like, okay, when's my next hundred. Right. So like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm learning the tech space as we go here, but, um, we have about 500. We've have had a couple of campaigns go through the system, which I'll let kind of Blake talk about kind of in context of you know, what he's seen across the Open Doors platform. Um, it's been, I was like, it's, it's been really cool to see athletes go through it and just say things like, this is so cool. And I can't believe I can just do this at my fingertips. And, you know, brands coming back to us and saying, you mean I can search for all of these things up, you know, in one portal that I've never had access to before. So the feedback, the qual feedback has been amazing. The quant feedback um, and the analysis based on the campaigns has also been really great. You know, the reach we're seeing through some of the social posts and the campaigns, you know, we've never seen things like that before for us. So all really good feedback. I, I would say that the, the hardest part for us, the challenge 
has been um, around prioritization, right? When you have technology in front of you and you can see how quickly things can work and change, all you want to do is build more, right? So you're like, okay, we should add this and that. We should add this and we should go here. Blake's laughing right now because I'm doing this with his team every day, right? I'm like, oh, we should add this feature and we should go here. The hardest part is actually prioritization. You're trying to- engineers love that. If you're just like, hey, can you quick quick product feedback, you know, and let's do this. They, they love that. They're, yeah. So, so yes, the sarcasm goes right through. Yes. Uh, those calls that we have for a couple hours every Wednesday, those are, those are interesting calls because- you know, you want to try and leverage the excitement and also add technology um, that you think will exponentially increase throughput, right, in, into the system. And, and it's hard to figure out which one, which technology will do that, like which feature when you add will actually help do that the best or the most at the beginning. So that's been the hardest, I think, part for me. I don't know if Blake would agree, is just figuring out what to what to release when. No, I think that's a challenge for any uh, sports technology or technology founder is if you do want to solve problems, you want to make incredibly challenging things incredibly easy, right? And what's easy for uh, the user sometimes can take a, a, a lot of complexity, a lot of work in the back end. And one of the things that I think is unique or, or that we're really proud of is that if you make it incredibly easy for athletes to help you, they will, right? Um, if you make it incredibly easy for businesses or, or, or brands, fans, individuals to connect with athletes, they will, right? And so again, what making something that just a year ago was impossible and, and you know, a decade ago, improbable, uh, inevitable, right? And within a platform very quickly, I mean, that's something that we do. And, and what happens is, I mean, I know, Thomas, you might ask about that experience, but there's a green button on the, on a screen on your phone, right? And there's a gray button right next to it. And for the athlete, all they got to do is hit that green button, right? And that means they, they have signed an endorsement deal or they've gotten paid or they've sent out a post or they've posted, you know, shared um, something with, with someone else. I guess it's as simple as a yes or no question, green or gray. And to take the entire athlete endorsement experience and, and boil it down to all that has to happen is that athlete hits that green button and they get value. And that's really the, the challenge of building the technology. But when that green button gets hit, I know everybody that's another celebration because we helped one athlete do one more thing one more time. Uh, that never gets old. Yeah. And, and stepping away from the, the technology, because that's something that, I mean, Zaley and I had a discussion on the podcast and around that you can't leave with the tech. The tech needs to be the platform that enables your actual aims, your business aims, whatever else that is, what change you're trying to make rather than just saying, look at this cool little uh, doohickey, whatever it is. Um, so is there part of a, a step of educating potentially sponsors and brands and saying that you don't need the biggest names for this campaign or there are the, there are these athletes that are localised or whatever that else that is or maybe even some of the smaller, smaller companies um, or more niche areas that there are athletes that will get them returns, will get penetration to that market, whatever else that is. Is, is, that, is that part of it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think from when you look at it, athlete endorsements and access to athletes has been an elusive thing for most businesses and brands for the history of time, okay? Um, I, I liken it to the fact 
fact is, is that imagine if you could only travel by calling a travel agent who gets to you know filter whether they want to help you out and they, they've got a limited amount of time and resources to help you figure out where you want to travel and so you're just kind of waiting around right and then then all of a sudden you learn about kayak.com right and now it makes it so you're in charge you're in control like you can figure out where you want to go and save places and go back later and, and then finally find the perfect spot and book that trip within amp and open doors and this underlying technology it's a very similar experience where uh, a sponsor of, of any shapers you know size whether they're um, a global sponsor or a local retailer um, you know having access to find an athlete and book an endorsement deal with just a few clicks uh, it opens up a ton of capabilities and functionality and uh, again we're still at the very beginning of what that level of access looks like but it is a, a level of education is needed <laughs> because it's like this is different than it's ever been. Like I can really do that. I can, if I hit this button, like this athlete's gonna get an alert to their phone. Yeah, that's how it works, right? And it's a new generation for a lot of the marketers that are used to the agency and agent type approach to every activation. Yeah, I would add on, that was a great answer, but I would add on Thomas that, um, you know, always there's education required when there's change, right? And, and there's some change right now. So we, do educate our partners on, you know, the fact that there is a tool available and how to use that tool to, to best market or activate based on what, what they're trying to do. I would argue that Olympic and Paralympic sponsors do a really great job already in telling amazing stories of athletes that are really high profile and athletes that might not be so high profile. It, the storytelling component in the Olympic and Paralympic journey is just, that's what it's about. And so, you know, Education in that respect is probably less needed than other 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 sports uh, and other properties. Um, but the education on how to use a tool, how to be really specific and localized, if there is a need in a specific market, now you have a tool that allows you to do that versus you know kind of throwing a net out there and saying what might happen if I just make a call. That that is the education that is that is needed right now is just you know getting partners to understand that in, in the filtering using two filters, you can actually say, I can find an athlete in Chicago at this time. And I can converse with that athlete using technology. That's the tech, that's the, that's the tech education that we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, that's the, the, the Olympic journey, the narrative behind that, the individual triumphs, all that kind of stuff is, um, is really at the core of the Olympic movement. So obviously brands that partner with that are, a little bit more astute um, to understand that and, and the power of that. Otherwise they wouldn't necessarily be involved as, as a brand partner or sponsor. So that's right. So stepping kind of further out again, and this question's for Blake is where's the future development for athlete, that athlete sponsor brand connection in, in general, maybe if that's a point to touch where we're at with um, name image likeness uh, for collegiate athletes, at least um, as it currently stands. You know, I think one of the more interesting things uh, for anyone that works in sports is this realization that the athletes that you're watching and cheering for and, and hyping up that like make your day or break your week, whatever it is, they're like 20 to 25 years old, right? Like they're, they're kids. And if you think about the kids, um, this generation of athletes that we're all cheering for that are the foundation for sports, 
they grew up with a smartphone in their hand, right? This is a generation that has never seen a phone book, doesn't know what a fax machine is, right? But they know how to use DocuSign, right? Uh, they're not going to call a cab. They're going to, you know, open Uber and go wherever they want. So this is a generation that is going to be more and more accessible through technology, right? And as these athletes are taking, you know, um, their their audience and their own value into their hands, right? They're seeing classmates in college that are monetizing on a Twitch stream playing video games. Someone else that's got a Patreon page and getting subscription revenue on a monthly basis. You know, uh, another friend that might have just gotten enough followers to get signed up on Cameo, right? So they're looking at these other uh, individuals and creators and influencers in their lives and saying, well, they're using technology to directly connect with consumers or directly connect with brands and form these uh, life-changing relationships and monetization opportunities. And that's where you, you look at this generation of athlete is going to rely more and more on themselves and technology and solutions to build an audience that is going to last them a lifetime, as well as create the monetization channel uh, that can make a, a major difference in their earning potential in the peak of their career and then beyond. Yeah, and I guess the social media generation being used to having a one-to-one -one connection with your fan base um, and being able to directly speak to them um, is just, you know, mentally the, I guess the cultural impact that that has in terms of athletes going, I will build my personal brand and I have channels to do that myself. So, and, and that's where the technology comes in to underpin that. It wasn't the technology, you know, chicken and the egg between the two, but um and where does it sit uh, with name, image, likeness for people that might not be familiar? I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people on the on this call generally are, or this webinar generally are. But where are we sitting? Because obviously, there's a lot of mooted uh, legislative changes. Yeah. Um, but in the collegiate space, because that also uh, we spoke to um, Dale on the podcast, we talked about this. That affects um, Olympic hopefuls as well. Because I mean, was that? Do you just want to jump in a little bit there and share why it's so important? you know, in, in terms of the ecosystem for student athletes leading into the Olympic um, team? Yeah, sure. Sure, Thomas. You know, we obviously follow the college space very, very closely because the college space is the feeder system for Team USA, right? And a lot of our Olympians and Paralympians come from colleges across, either com currently competing and compete for Team USA or come from that space. And so we want those athletes to you know, also have the ability to be financially stable as they transition from collegiate athlete to Team USA athlete. Importantly, or as importantly, it's important for them to understand their financial value on financial literacy, you know, what all of, you know, all of the pieces that make them a complete athlete. And so we, we've been following, you know, the activity around NIL in the, in the collegiate space really, really closely. It's a, it's a tough space to navigate, right? Every state has their own legislation and regulation. Um, athletes are pushing, um, and, and even in the launch of AMP, you know, as we thought about the Olympic and Paralympic space, you have to kind of think through the impact on a lot of different stakeholders and bring them along in that journey. It's not just about launching tech. Tech, you have to, there's an education process for every single stakeholder in that journey. And I'm, this is exactly what they're experiencing right now. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, so, you know, we'll continue to monitor. I'm hoping that AMP um, allows people to see that there is, 
there are potential solutions. If you can get the process right and navigate through the process piece, the tech will be there to support it and make it really, really great. Um, they're, they're in their journey right now. You know, Blake, I don't know if you have anything to add. You're following it probably even more closely than I am. Yeah, but if you could maybe specifically speak to how many, like, where are we at legislatively, what is, and what is it going to look like over the next 12, 6, 12, 18, 24 months yeah. in terms of some of these legislative changes because uh, it's very hard to follow state by state uh, yeah. in the US. So. Telling us the next month, not not twelve months. Okay, yeah, next month, thirty days, and yeah, it's coming, you know. And and so, if you let's let's talk about at the endorsement industry in North America in general. You know, if you look at the today, there's about five thousand professional and recently retired athletes in North America that really move the needle in athlete endorsements, right? From getting appearance deals or social media opportunities and big term ambassador and licensing revenue, that sort of thing. So about five thousand in North America. In about a month, five weeks from now, there will be 500,000 student athletes that enter the athlete endorsement market for the first time. And this, yeah, so think about uh, the complexities of the athlete endorsement industry and Jaylene, uh, you know, what we're navigating and providing technology for this ecosystem, this infrastructure with 500 athletes and imagine some of this, thousand, like the complexities of that 500 athlete ecosystem. And then you multiply by a thousand, right? If the problems get a thousand times larger, then it's going to be a really, really big challenge for student athletes uh, to really capitalize and, and maximize this. And um, one of the, the interesting nuances to the collegiate student athlete monetization and NIL space is that unlike professional athletes, student athletes will be required to disclose the details of every transaction in which they're participating in. Right, which is going to do uh, some interesting things. So that's the, the first unique challenge. The second one is the majority of these athletes will have no agent representation. Right, The uh, top 1% of 1% of student athletes that have professional prospects or some level of, of online audience may have agent representation, but most of them will be in market by themselves. The institutions can have no involvement in bringing deals to the table. And so this will be the most direct brand to athlete relationship on the planet will exist in the college sports space. And so these student athletes will have uh, a lot to figure out rather quickly as it relates to how to market themselves appropriately, how to negotiate or communicate with a business or brand, sign agreements, show up on time, prove they were there, handle payments, do their taxes. And fortunately, uh, you know, as Zaylene and the crew at the USOPC has seen that if we can take some of those challenges off the plate of an athlete with technology just and allow them to compete at a high level and connect them with people that support them using that technology, then maybe we can help more athletes monetize more often. And that's going to be critical for student athletes because this is the peak of their earning potential and the majority of them will not reach that next level. So they got to do it now, but they also got to do it right. And I think that open doors and, other technologies in the space are going to be really important to help them to do that the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an excellent point on that. This is their, this is their moment in the sun in terms of building that fan base, building that, that following. So if they do go into Olympic sports, for instance, if we're talking about um, the collegiate kind of uh, pipeline feeder, they can carry that and keep going up rather than kind of missing out on opportunity of building their brand when they're at college, 
and then they get to the Olympic level and they've kind of got to start from scratch. So um, really interesting. And, and yeah, so the next month, I mean, five weeks, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, July, July 1, all this state legislation goes into effect. It's likely that the NCAA is going to approve NIL legislation that would either go into effect on July 1st, 2021, or August 1st, 2021, and that would allow student-athletes to monetize NIL for the first time after. So, so yeah, we're about five weeks out. Yeah, and as I understand it, it's, it's the state-by-state approach is what's driving that is also recruitment in the sense of, um, you know, wherever, like somewhere down in the south, trying to trying to recruit um, college football talent, uh, and then my neighbouring state athletes. You can say, "Hey, I'll chuck you on a billboard in, in Tuscaloosa or whatever else it is, or come down. We'll give you an endorsement." Um, it's going to be a lot more attractive for those students to go there. So, if there's anything that's the most bipartisan issue anywhere in the US, it's college recruiting. Um, no one wants to be the no one wants to be the politician from either side of the aisle. That means that you you're not challenging for a state championship or a conference championship or whatever else. Um, so, yes, uh, and and following on from that, in terms of that movement, so where where does it keep going? Obviously, more so the collegiate thing is more students on the platform, um, or sorry, more students able to pursue these these uh, sponsorship partnerships, brand partnerships, whatever else it is. Um, where do you see the kind of continuing evolution of that? Um, is, it, is it more that these athletes will just control their destiny as well? Like are we going to see agencies become extinct or is that a little bit doomsday? No, I, what I would say is that the, these sports agency and talent agency space will continue to evolve right? And as it has over the last decade, right? As, because NIL monetization and technology used to, to grow and build audiences and monetize audiences directly is not new to sports. It's new to college sports, but the, the talent agency model is evolving and shifting and there's more demand on those uh, talent agents to provide value beyond the contract negotiation and value beyond uh, pure endorsement deals, but more on audience development and brand development and licensing and direct-to-consumer type monetization. So we see that continuing to evolve and uh, that's exciting. But there's technology is not meant to uh, replace uh, any relationship for, for in this space. It's meant to maybe repair some, right, as well as empower uh, relationships that were never possible in the first place. So that's uh, what we're excited about, the future of technology. And yeah, student-athletes will... The entrepreneurial student athlete is going to transform the way that sports sponsors and sports fans um, think about athletes in monetization for the future. Because this is their, their, again, peak of their earning potential. This is the technology-driven generation. You're going to see student athletes on campus across uh, the country that are doing things that, to make money um, in such a creative way. I'm super excited for them. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Thomas. I think that we are going to see, you know, if we break that question down into two places, two pieces, right? On the brand side, with this technology and this influx of athletes coming into the ecosystem, I think they're just going to get, the brands are going to get smarter, right? In terms mm-hmm. of, instead of spending their time on, you know, research and filling out contracts and figuring out how to pay, they will spend their time and their agencies will spend time on saying, okay, I can get the athlete I want. How am I going to use that athlete? And how I'm going to target a consumer just much more effectively than I did before. Mm. And I, th- I think brands are going to spend their time 
just evolving and becoming smarter in the space on how to leverage um, athletes to sell their products and services much more effectively. I think from an athlete perspective, and this might be like, this might be a good discussion with Blake is like, you know, right now we're talking about the connection between athlete and brand. There is also a whole larger segment of sports fans that the athletes, I think, will just get savvier in connecting with and monetizing that relationship as well. Mm. You know, I can see it, you know, in things like Cameo and things that we're seeing right now. I also see it in um, sport, you know, media, right? And content distribution and talking about, um, you know, providing content to fans about how people, how they train, what their workout profiles like, you know, how to do a specific thing really, really well. You know, those are in, you can see that in Airbnb experiences, you can see it in a whole bunch of different places, right? So I think both sides of the equation are going to evolve tremendously um, over the next short while, I think we're going to see a lot of proliferation. Yeah. And I guess that D to to C approach of the athlete going directly to their fan base um, is, yeah, it's going to be big. And something we've seen in the, um, in the pandemic with people locked up and be having to do, giving people virtual experiences and kind of insights and stuff like that is that you can do it on digital platforms. It doesn't have to be um, the traditional, I'm going to come down to wherever and make an appearance here. I can, I can give you value through the digital uh, product. There's, the NFT space is very exciting as well. I mean, a, a collectible that uh, for an athlete, something like that, if they can harness that um, for themselves on a platform and and give that to their fan base, that's something that will be really interesting to see how it probably equalizes out. You know, we're obviously at the, the very start of the hype cycle of that. So we're going to see where that settles um, as a new normal. Um, yeah. But yeah, very interesting space. Oh, and- so I'm going to jump. I want to comment one thing to so see kind of, got me excited about something right and what i would say is, is from the the sponsor side like those that are are in market buying and, and like leveraging the power of sports to connect the consumer right and knowing that athletes are a part of that ecosystem they always have been endorsements have been part of sports sponsorship activations for decades and uh but there's always this kind of nuance and this is probably the crux of the problem that we're trying to solve is that in the past, if you had one athlete, you already had that athlete. Adding another athlete to your activation doubled your work. If you added another one, it tripled your work, quadrupled your work. So like brands with five plus athletes like actively promoting the brand, you know there's somebody at the brand level or at their agency that's crying themselves to sleep, okay? Because there's a lot of challenges in navigating five different athletes, five different agents, five different processes, five different contracts. Like, five different activities, activations, like it's just multiplied. But if you can make the process going from one athlete to two, the difference between clicking one button or another one, or going from one to 10, having no change in effort, one to a hundred, no change in effort, one to a thousand, then you start to see a world where brands and, and they're buying, um, re- you know, relationships and access to athletes that are, uh, actively engaged in the process and then they can start to test and figure out like who, who moves the needle, right? Like what's, what's working best. Mm-hmm. And if you combine that factor that, that uh, you, you could sample a relationship and expand on those that work the best, that reach your audience the most, that drove the most value to the brand, then you can start to see some, some changes and shifts because they're, it's really hard for a sponsor to say, well, 
why don't we just try and sponsor 32 NFL teams? Like, okay, like break the freaking bank. But if you're going to sponsor 32 uh, NFL players or 32 Olympic athletes, like, and it's it's a much more approachable world. Uh, but I think what they'll find is that those fan bases of those athletes are much more engaged often than the, the fan bases of those properties. So that's what's going to happen as we see it. I think there's some other trends, but look to make that happen. Yeah, and, and and Blake, like it reminds me of the first campaign that we piloted through AMP, right? We had one campaign brief that 262 athletes activated. One buyer, one brief, 262 athletes at one time. It's just this the scale. It's mind-blowing. Mind like in our account, Zimine, is the biggest single-day athlete endorsement campaign in sports history. And it was a trial. It was a test. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be so amazing when when sponsors start to think on that scale, because you could not fathom hitting one button, having 250 plus athletes all activate in the same day, from like pitch to payment to cash out, contract, tax, W9 to 99, all handled without, you know, with the click of a button. I mean, this is it's a new era. And again, this is not just about what AMP is doing, but it's about thinking how does sports evolve and how do we provide solutions that brands are used to in other industries. Mm. It's pretty exciting. And the um, there's some being greater, what is it? The whole being, there's some being greater than the sum of its parts, whatever. You know, right. basically, you know, one plus one equals three. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, especially at the Olympic, uh, with Olympic teams, um, the you know, take a, you know, field hockey team or whatever. Whereas having that as a, all those individual athletes as part of a campaign rather than just one person from that, I think of um, the Australian rowing team, the the quad rowing team, they were the awesome foursome, um, great rowing punt. Couldn't tell you any of their names, but to this day, I remember the awesome foursome. And so for them as like a, as like a unit, as a team, um, that people have an affinity with the team, um, for that, they might get to know some of the athletes within that, but be able to campaign as that as a whole um, and hit different different markets is um, is really powerful because also you think about, um, and the question came through about local versus national brands because the Olympic movement and all sports really, but especially Olympic movement is a very diverse group of people in terms of locations and, and different areas like that. So having the ability to target localities whilst also hitting a, a kind of national note if that makes sense um at the same time is is really powerful and and a question for Zaylene is how do you how do you create awareness or maybe Blake as well how do you create awareness with say smaller brands and I mean that's all, all localized brands obviously with the Olympic movement you have your big big brands are involved but more from just the education um piece yeah, I mean, for, for us, you know, we have fairly large national brands, but many of them, Thomas, have regional or local offices that almost operate solely on their own, right? So yeah. for us, we, ha we have to think both local and national because, you know, the power of AMP actually is for those localized or regionalized offices to be able to leverage it for their region, right? For mm -hmm. their region and community. And so, you know, we will educate 
you know, the head office or headquarters and say, here's how you use the platform. And then they'll say, hey, can you educate, you know, can you help talk to the, the dealers or the localized offices? And we're like, yep, that's exactly what AMP is for. And so for us, it doesn't, it, the tool is the same. It, it works yeah. same nationally or locally. Um, the education pretty much is the same. We just, we educate on how to use filters um, a little bit more specifically for the, for the domestic, you know, for the more regionalized offices. Um, but it's just providing access. And, you know, we, Open Doors is kind of on a hot button with us. And, you know, when we need a training session, we just get that office on the phone and say, here's how you use the tool. And then that, that's the amazing thing, right, about the tech is like, it doesn't change. It's the same tool. Everybody uses it the same way. Uh, it's just making sure that they have access to how to use it in the, in the training right at the beginning. Yeah. And I, I think that one of the things that we're seeing again uh, with local brands versus national brands or local activations versus national activations is that over the last decade, more and more decision makers with ad buying and online marketing spends uh, are learning how to use technology to do so. And, and thank you to Facebook and to Twitter and to Google for teaching the local business owner that if they just hit this button, then they can reach more consumers. And I think that that's helping with the trends and uh, not needing a six figure budget to effectively buy and reach an audience online through technology. And so that helps. And then one of the things that you just drive that down to athletes specifically, I'm gonna give you guys one of my favorite examples of all time, where within a month period on, on Open Doors Fields, our, our platform, there's a national advertiser in the fast food industry. I'll just make it up the name. It's Burger Burger Queen, right? So, and they did a campaign where they wanted to, uh, you know, reach consumers in the Northeast. And they went with an athlete that was a big name athlete, a Super Bowl MVP. Spent fifteen thousand dollars on one tweet, and they got a lot of reach, right? They got a lot of reach, not as much engagement as you'd want. Within that same month, a local uh, fast food joint in, in Nebraska, where uh, Open Doors is headquartered, runs up, spent $150 on a recently graduated Nebraska football captain to take a picture in a cornfield holding the Runza Cup. Okay. And that $150 uh, generated 21,000 engagements for Runza, where the other national brand spent $15,000 and got 7,000 engagements. Mm. Okay. I don't even know what the correct math is on that but it was a considerable difference and to each their own, right? Because to, both were successful campaigns in their own right. But when you start to think about the localized influence of athletes um, and the concept that you can start to make those micro buys, uh, the audience that follows that local athlete, they're truly engaged with what they say. Yeah. And that, that athlete's also be truly engaged with the brand. So if you can enable a national or local brand to connect with a, maybe a lesser known athlete, you're going to see a more engaged audience and then also a more engaged athlete. Yeah. So using the hometown heroes for the better returns for smaller brands that don't have that budget to be able to reach more. And, um, and certainly with the Olympic movement, that's, that's something that, you know, whatever random small rural town someone will come from. And then, you know, that narrative as we were talking about at the very beginning and they become an Olympic champion or even just, don't even have to win. They just compete at the highest level. That can get huge returns um, for for that that connection, that that really strong bond that they have with their local community. Yeah, a lot of times the Olympic and Paralympic sponsors, you know, in addition to trying to tell 
this, this story and the journey of an Olympian or a Paralympian, most of them are signing partnerships because of the fact that athletes live in every single community across the United States, right? They are your, they are your neighbor. There's, mm. there's Olympians and Paralympians in my neighborhood that I just don't even know exist, but they're sitting here, right? And so um, I, I think in order for them to access communities, sponsors are looking for that community and that really localized activation. And they, they want to be able to find ways to do that and to, to be able to speak to their communities, right? So the tool, um, the tool just allows them to do that so much more easily. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, that's, I think that's a good place to probably wrap up the conversation because um, as we said at the beginning, technology is the tool to enable that. It is not the, the solution in itself. It's, it's something that gets to that point of a solution. So thank you so much. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Zaylene, um, for this session of Ish as well. Um, a fantastic cause. So if you haven't donated already, then I would, I would um, strongly encourage you to do so. Um, and I think connect with Blake and Zaylene on Twitter, um, hit them up on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if they're gonna get a flood of, of spammy invites, but um, <laughs> Uh, connect with them and looking forward to seeing how this grows. I mean, obviously a very exciting space. I think the, the headwinds are there in terms of um, athlete empowerment, athletes taking control of their destiny, brands waking up to the, the fact that they can really get good returns and, and by connecting with athletes directly. Um, a lot of the, the, the legislative changes, we were talking about Blake in terms of NIL, um, and then obviously the technology that underpins and brings it all together. So it's an exciting time in the space. As always, thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and the sponsorship space on LinkedIn to join and engage with our community. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and have a great day.